Praise the Lord, everybody. Well, I can hear the worship team, but I didn't hear nobody out there. Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. We're glad that you're here this morning. Man, have you have you noticed that it's um, it's like worship's getting harder and harder to come out of? Have you noticed that? It's just that when people begin to get hungry for something different, they begin to make a demand on something that's stronger and better. It's just hard to leave that. We're not trying to extend anything that we do, but I tell you, the hunger level is getting deeper in this house. I sat there a while ago and just praying and worshiping and, and uh, the tendency is to is to fight God when you want to do something in the natural but how many know that what God is doing is so much deeper than what we could ever do in our natural abilities and I just felt God in this building a while ago I felt him just I, it's almost like he just settled in here you know the Bible says one of the words for glory is the Hebrew word kabod which means heavy it just sometimes you get in his presence and it's just heavy. And I don't know about you, but really the only thing on the agenda is him. It's him. It's him. I, I, I mean, I, we, we worship, we celebrate, we greet, we, we do everything that we do, we preach. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about him. Amen. So just look at somebody next to you and say, I'm just so glad you made it today. I'm so glad you made it today. Let me... um. Let me just reiterate, I know we got our announcements, things that go on uh, before the service starts, but this coming Saturday, we're having a citywide prayer meeting, and we're going to be uh, praying at different four different locations throughout our city from 8 o'clock in the morning until 9 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we got sign-up sheets back there at those four designated areas. There will be a prayer leader that will be there. And uh, we're just going to ask you to just uh, help us pray for one hour. I know that's, that's, uh, it's, I know, we, we did it early so it wouldn't be hot, and we did it short so we wouldn't eat up your day, but we're going to ask you to pray with us for one hour today. I believe our nation is in a critical and vulnerable place, and I think the only thing that's going to turn it is not better government or more government or different government, what's going to turn it is when the hearts of God's people begin to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. Then he says, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal from heaven and I will heal your land. So I'm just going to invite you to come after service back there. You can go back there and sign up and help us pray. Uh, you just go to whatever location you want to go to. There's four different locations. They're all throughout our area here. And uh, we're going to meet there right at 8 o'clock and we're going to pray. There will be a couple directives there. And we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. We're going to speak over our nation. We're going to speak over our city. We're going to speak over our county. And we're just going to speak over the things of God to be accomplished. Amen? All right. So that's going to be happening this Saturday. So we look forward to seeing you there. I want you to stand, with you, stand to your feet with me and grab your Bibles. I'm in this series here. And um, we'll probably try to finish it up today. How many has been here for the whole time that we've been in this series? This is this will be part five. 
But this is very important to all of us that, um, that if you haven't been here, that you would go back and listen to it because um, I'm systematically moving through something to get somewhere. And I'm trying to let things build as the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to let it go and just to try to get to where we're going. But if you missed anything, then you're going to miss a whole lot because I'm not going back and trying to, to, to cover a lot of ground that we've already talked about. So just make sure that you stay current with us because God is doing something in our midst. Amen? And so um, just help us out with that. Judges chapter 6. I'm just going to read this. might be our last time reading this particular passage of Scripture in this, in this particular series anyway. Judges chapter 6. Guys in the back, if you could just give me a little bit more monitor, please. That would help me. Chapter 6, verse number 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian for seven years. Somebody shout seven years. And then the power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian. The sons of Israel made for themselves dens and caves in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. And they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And they would leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. And they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like the locusts. Did we just get a power boost or what happened? The house just came back. Is that why my mic was? Oh, I feel power now. Wow. That is so much better. Guys, don't just disregard whatever I said about the monitors. I don't even know where I'm at now. Which verse am I on? Verse number four? Five. And they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like the locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. Every enemy against your life is coming to devastate your life. The enemy is not your friend. It's not your friend. You cannot be in partnership with an enemy and think you're going to get the upper hand. In verse number six, and they were brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel began to cry out to the Lord. Look with me in verse number 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was an Oprah which belonged to Joash the Abizurite, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in a wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. I am the youngest in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will, I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Four or five weeks ago, this verse came alive inside my heart. And when I read a few of those passages there, this title got birthed, this theme got birthed. And, and the title that we've been working from is Every generation has a time 
sooner or later, living in dark places has to change. Sooner or later, the church has to come out of a cave. Sooner or later, the church has to come out of strongholds. I need you to high-five about three people around you and just tell them, this is your time. This is your time. This is your time. This is your time. Just remain standing. I've asked the worship team just to kind of help me with this right here. I just want them to sing this little chorus right here. Come on, Pastor Porter. And if the sun says I will rise, and if dark clouds fill my sky, Lord, just know that I will always give you praise. And when trouble's on the way, I will always say, Lord, no matter come what Somebody needs to praise him for a moment.
same people that you high five while ago and say, and just tell them, say, for real, this is your time. Just tell them, for real, for real, this is your time. For real, this is your time. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for what you're going to do in the next few moments in this place. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here today, those that are watching online, those that have joined our Facebook family, those that are listening by WAFC. Lord, we thank you today for what you're going to accomplish in this house. Lord, we give you praise today. Thank you today, Lord. Thank you today for revelation, impartation. Thank you today, Lord, for illumination. Lord, we thank you today that God is still on the throne. Lord, the only thing that's in trouble in our world is the devil. Lord, we thank you today for the power of Jesus Christ that lives on the inside of us through the witness of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor for it all today in Jesus' name. And everybody together said amen. 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 And God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Everything has a time. Every person has a time, and every generation has a time. Everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 1 says, To everything there's a season, there's a time, for every purpose under heaven. The Bible says, it goes on in verse number 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, says, He makes everything beautiful in its time. Because everything has a time. Every person has a time, and every generation has a time. When someone's time or something's time has come, it can't be stopped, but it can be missed. Everything in every life is boiled down to defining moments. And the last thing you want to do is miss your moment. The last thing you want to do is miss your time. Everything has a time. Every person has a time, and every generation has a time. In, in uh, Esther chapter 4, verses number 14, uh, Mordecai told Esther, he said, If you remain silent, deliverance and destruction will arise from another, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, maybe you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Look at somebody next to you and say, everybody has a time. Uh, you have not been misplaced in time. You're not out of order in time. In fact, us gathering together in 2020 is in time. You, 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 are, you, are not, you are not here by accident. None of us have gathered in this place by accident. We're here because God is affording us a moment. God's given us a time in space. God has given us an assignment together in this particular time. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, I'm telling you now, you have a time. You have a time. You have a time. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that uh, in time, God releases words over generations. God releases instructions to generations. And those words and those instructions, they begin to align heaven's calendar with the earth's activities. And when heaven's calendar and the earth begins to align together, God is looking for an amen in the earth. God's looking for an agreement in the earth so that whatever heaven is trying to dictate, 
it can manifest in the earth because the heavens have a time. The earth has a time. And then when the people of God can discern the time, when you can discern the moment, and when you can discern the day that you're living in, and we become the agreement of God in the earth, we become the amen of heaven in the earth, we begin to push the agenda of God into the earth so that everything that's working against us has to bow its knee because God has a greater purpose than what the earth could ever hope for. I'm trying to get to where I'm going. Just hang out with me for a minute. I'm just building a little bit more foundation here. Prophetically, we have to discern our day. Prophetically, we have to know the hour in which we're living. Prophetically, we have to understand the time that has been afforded to us so that the power of God can be released and manifested. This past Saturday was uh, Rosh Hashanah. I probably didn't say that right, but it was, it's the Jewish holiday. It's the beginning of the Jewish year. At sundown on 9-18, the Jewish calendar flipped into a brand new year, which marked a new year with God. Last year on the Jewish calendar was 5780, which was the year of pay, the mouth. It's the year to declare that. Now it's flipped over. Now we're into 5781, which is when the shofar blew on Rosh Hashanah. It was declaring the voice of God into the earth. And now the voice of God is waiting on the agreement of man so that whatever God is declaring in the earth, we can manifest it in our time. So that the things of God can be manifested in the times in which we've been called to. Because every generation has a time. I was thinking about this. I'm going to preach in a minute. Just let me get there. I was thinking about the way this works for us um, spiritually, prophetically, and corporately. And God reminded me a couple of weeks ago during our Tuesday night prayer meeting that something just came in my spirit while we were praying but every generation has a right to a revival. Every, gener every generation has a right to be awakened. That's what, what Pastor Tina was saying a while ago. Awake, awake, oh, you sleepy people. <laughs> and have you know that wasn't talking about literal sleep? Talking about your spirit man coming alive. Every generation has access to a revival. But you have to discern the day. You have to discern the time. And Luke Chapter 19, verse number 44, the Bible says that Jesus began to weep over Jerusalem when he saw the city because they were missing their time. The Bible says they did not, they did not recognize their time. Here you have heaven's glory, God's greatest, walking through a city, and nobody could discern the day. Nobody could discern the hour. Nobody could discern the time. And because they missed their time, Jesus begins to prophesy back to that generation. He says, now your enemies will build barricades around you and hem you in. Your children will be sacrificed. And everything that you built will, be, will fall. That sort, sort of sounds like 2020. Huh? Everything that we have built that we thought was, was forever has fallen. And how many know that if we're not careful, we're going to keep sacrificing the next generation to idols? And how many know that right now, as it looks in the natural, the enemy is surrounding the church? But I believe this generation has a time. I believe this generation is aware of the day in which we're living in. 
The fact that Jesus was weeping over a city proves to us that they should have been aware. They were missing the most powerful, manifested movement of God in history, and they were dead to it. The glory of heaven was walking in their midst, and they were missing it. <laughs> I don't want to be right, real strong right, too fast early here, but I mean, that's what's happening in our day. We, we, got, we got more Christians that are unaware of the day in which we're living, and we're missing the glory of God that is walking through our midst right now. The, the, the things of God always increase. And just because we're in a pandemic, just because we're in social unrest, just because the world is falling apart, the kingdom of God is growing stronger and stronger. But you've got to have a people that understands their time because every generation has a time. And what's going on in our day right now, I believe, Heaven's glory has lined up with the earth and it's waiting on a response from the church so that we can get an agreement with what God is trying to do because heaven's glory is walking in our midst. And if we could just tap in just for a moment what heaven is trying to do, I believe we'd turn cities upside down. I believe families would become born again. I believe drugs and prostitution and sex trafficking, all these things can be obliterated just overnight if the church would recognize the hour in which we've been called. We, we have more mega churches than we've ever had in the history of our existence, but yet we have the, the worst moral decline that we've ever had. We've learned the art of doing church, but we've lost its presence. We've lost our ability to discern. We've had plenty of presentation. We have presented. We had pl plenty of presentation times, but we've lacked the manifestation. Can I just say it like I feel something now? I just believe that God is about to open up the eyes of the church, and there's a glory that's about to be revealed because I believe there's a generation that's rising that says, I refuse to sit in my cave. I refuse to dwell in darkness when light is on the inside of me. I, I shared this with you last week. I think I did, or at least I quoted it. Mario Murillo said, he said, we have big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines. But we don't have no move of the spirit. We've got presentation, but we don't have no presence. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, there's a generation that's getting hungry for something more than lights, camera, and action. There's a generation that's getting hungry for the real, live, manifested presence of God. We've created what I believe is a convenient theology kind of a mentality. They, they don't want preachers to preach on hell no more. Just, don't, just in case you don't know, not everybody gets to go to heaven. I don't care how good they were. If they didn't accept Jesus Christ, they don't want us to preach on hell. They don't want us to, to talk about what a biblical marriage looks like. They definitely don't want us to talk about sin because it's too negative. They don't want nobody to hold people accountable in the church anymore. We don't want to tell people, listen, you need to worship God. Don't tell people they need to worship God. Don't let them lift their hands because that might offend somebody on their row. Our altars have been hijacked with hyper grace and drinking preachers. 
I, I'm, I tell you, I just I came here to I came here to start a war. Is what I did today. I'm trying to say, listen. The reason why we got so much looseness in the in, in the pul- uh, in the pews is because we got too much looseness in the pulpits. The reason why we don't have holiness in our congregations no more is because we've lost holiness in the in the in the pulpit. I'm gonna pick on somebody today. There's people, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, we have got to get back to a place where we begin to understand that what God is doing in the earth is greater than any one generation, and what we are fighting for is not just for today, but we're trying to fight for a victory that will last for generations to come. We've trained people to be like Jesus, but never become Christ-like. We've trained a whole bunch of people to just like Jesus. (laughs) I'm preaching harder than you shout now. We created fans and not followers. But I believe there is a holy cry coming up from a holy generation. I believe the righteousness of God is being put back into the into the churches in our in our nation particularly. I believe I believe that preachers are about to get born again. Listen, I'm gonna pick on it for a moment. Listen, I, I'm just I have a hard time with drunk preachers. I have a hard time with cussing preachers. I have a hard time with loose living preachers. I have a hard time with loose living anything, and you claim to know the name of Jesus Christ. There ought to be enough power in you to eradicate every sin in your life and to keep you free, to keep you clear, to keep you clean. David Wells, who's a historian and theologian, he said it this way. This will be on the screen. He said, he said, uh, he said, he calls our, this generation, he calls our contemporary generation of pastors the new disablers because they have abandoned the traditional role of the pastor as a broker of truth to his congregation, and they replaced it with a new managerial model drawn from the professional world, which emphasizes leadership abilities, marketing, and administration. And as a result, the church has produced a generation of Christians for whom theology is irrelevant and whose lives outside the church do not differ practically from those of atheists. Wow. There has to be an awareness of the people of God of the day that we're living in. Sin is rampant. Sin is not hidden like it used to be. Sin is in your face. It's on your four-year-old's face. Huh? It's getting all the way down into pre-K. Sex, sex education roles are getting all the way into PK, uh, yeah, pre-K kids now. And they're, and, they're, and they're trying to teach them that you can choose whatever gender identity you want. I mean, there's no such thing as your truth. There's only his truth and your opinion. (laughs) Truth is not an idea. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We have a world that's trying to tell us what their truth is. There's only one truth, his truth. Everything beyond that is an opinion. Can I preach like I feel it? (laughs) 
How many know that my job up here is not to agree with the mentalities of the day or preach what people want me to say? My job is to take the mentality to task and help people find out that if it doesn't line up with the word of God, they are the ones out of order, not God. How many know that we're not here to baptize anybody's mentality? But we're here to change and challenge the dominant thinking pattern on a different level with a different realm of revelation. I'm afraid that we have taught churches to be victims rather than be victorious. This is what's going on in Gideon's life. He's a victim of his circumstances. We can get so caught up in society with a victim mentality and we end up leaning on the victim mentality because that's what the culture tells us we should do. Got one amen out of that one. Talking to the church, not to the world. Many believers in Christ have been caught up in the world's mind games so that we end up pitting one group against another group. For example, now we have Marxists, far-left liberals, and socialists, which has invaded the political realm, community leaders, and media personalities, and they play on a victim spirit. They literally engage in class warfare and make, make a living by making whole groups of people victims just so that they can get elected. And then they want to be seen as the hero coming in on a parachute to save those with a victim mindset. And all it is is lies. They disempower specific segments of the population with their rhetoric in order to be seen as heroes, ensuring that they remain in the spotlight. I'm just going to work on this for a moment, okay? So y'all keep loving me. There is racism in our world, but it's not everywhere. There is injustice in our world, but it's not everywhere. There is economic trouble. There is political differences. But despite these factors, we need to be teaching people how to live victorious, no matter what the environment looks like. And not carry around a victimized spirit or mentality. When you have Christ living on the inside of you, you don't have to live in a victim's world. Your environment may not ever change, but you're still victorious. The climate of your life may not ever get any better, but you still are a victorious person. It doesn't matter about your skin color, your pedigree, how many degrees you have or don't have. doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on or what inner city you came from. You don't have to live with a victimized mentality. doesn't matter what your zip code is. I'm getting to Gideon here in just a moment. This is a kingdom, and the kingdom makes room for winners. Amen. I wonder how many people would be out of a job if we were free. I wonder how many voices we would silence in the media if we weren't victimized. 
I wonder how many politicians wouldn't even have a job if we just lived the victorious life that God called us to live and not accept mob rule, cultural trends. 1 John 4, 4 says the greater one lives on the inside of us. Romans 8, 37 says we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. So this brings me to Gideon. I'm about to preach now. <laughs> In our text, when the sons of Israel begin to cry out to the Lord, when they begin to cry out to God, there came a shift in the earth. There came a change in the cycle of devastation. Midian had been harassed by seven years. Midian has harassed the children of Israel for seven years. And now they start to cry out to God. When they begin to cry out to God, their devastation and their cycle is being broken. Nothing in your world will ever change until you open up your mouth. Until the church begins to cry out for something different and something more powerful, we will always live in a victimized mentality. But I, man, I feel this. But I believe there's a generation that's rising in the midst of the chaos. There's a generation that's rising in the midst of victimhood. There's a generation that's rising and about to put their foot on the devil's neck. And they're about to say to the devil, you have had your day long enough, but this is my time now. This is my time to rise. This is my time to come against everything that you've plotted against me. I know you've come in and you've taken everything I've sown. You've taken everything I've planted, but this is my harvest time. This is my time to turn it around. And I believe when the church begins to do that, we're going to break the cycle of victimized mentality. We're going to break the cycle of the enemy's running over us. We're going to see the power of God get restored back into the church. You just think we saw some signs and miracles in the past. You ain't seen nothing yet because there's a generation that's hungry for something greater than the world could ever offer. Push on somebody and tell them it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. Notice that there, when there was a cry, when there was a cry, it came from a son. It came from the children of Israel. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, who is a son, which is, speaks to us about a generation. Because every generation has a time. Hmm. God didn't speak to the father because the father's time had come and gone. The father's time had already passed. The fathers had their day. This is our day. And Gideon is asking the question, why has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles? He's asking the question, watch me now, because the previous generation had left some unresolved issues, and now they're hiding in caves. So God goes to the next generation. He goes to a son. He goes to a younger generation, and he says, the Lord is with you. In other words, it's your time. I understand in the 1960s, we had the counterculture movement in our land, the age of Aquarius, the sexual revolution was born. We had the spirit of anarchy that was seeded into our generation or into our nation. And then in the 1970s, we didn't do anything about it except dress up in psychedelic clothes, get high, and just peace out. You ain't got to say amen. I know you were there. And learn to live with a bunch of group hugs. And then in the 80s and the 90s, 
we went into greed. And we put a nation in deficit whereby which it is still not recovered. And the increase of our harvest was destroyed. But God is speaking to another generation. God is saying something to another generation, saying, it's your time. It's your time to come out of caves. It's your time to come out of places where, where, where you've been dwelling, where there's no life, where there's no freedom, where there's no joy. It's time for this generation. I'm trying to make a point. It's time for this generation to rise. It's time for this generation to quit settling with the spirit of compromise and trying to befriend an enemy that's coming to destroy your land. It's time to come up out of, uh, of complacency and just coming out and just quit being lethargic. I know I'm not speaking to you because it's like, like preaching to the choir, but there are people that are not in church today because they have compromised. They have lost their direction in life with the things of God. It's not that they don't love God. They're just not on God's agenda. They're just not a part of God's timetable. And there are people that are even coming in and out of church like you can just pick God when you want to pick him. When you want God to do something, then you come to church for a day or two, and then you quit coming. I'm just trying to tell you, we're coming into a generation where that ain't going to fly no more because there's a hunger level that's coming into a generation that says we're going to make a demand on everything that God has for us and we refuse to settle for whatever the enemy is trying to give us. So he's speaking to a generation. He said, the Lord is with you and you shall defeat them. You shall defeat them. And Gideon asked the question, he says, why has all this happened to us? Watch this. Unless there is a pressure of crisis, you never really realize the occasion for which you were born. Crisis create opportunities. We're, we're, we're crying out for a third great awakening. The first two great awakening came with a moral decline and a crisis. When it got bad enough, the church got fed up. I'm about fed up. <laughs> How many know that God's purpose is never just for one generation? If all we do is pursue God for our own benefit, then we become self-centered. And then we lose the ability to sacrifice. We don't sacrifice for the next generation. Imagine an, a young army recruit being his first day in boot camp, standing in front of the drill sergeant. And the drill sergeant asks him, why did you join the army, son? He said, I want to find my purpose. I want to fulfill my purpose. The drill, the, the drill sergeant screams back at him and says, son, you have no purpose. The Army has a purpose. You have an assignment. You have no purpose. You have an assignment. We have messed up the body of Christ by putting everybody going after their purpose that made them an independent somebody. How I many know that Jesus has a purpose? For, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And you and I get to have an assignment onto his purpose where we get to take on what he's already done and push the devil out of cities and regions and territories and that where the enemy has hijacked people and places and things. The church, the church gets to come in and begin to remove the influence of hell. That's our assignment. Gideon said, where are your miracles at, Lord? This will be on the screen for you. Every generation has to have a fresh hunger or cry to see the power of God. You can't 
continue to live on what used to be. We can't live on what we had. We got to have something more. We got to have something for our day. I can't live on the miracles of my past. I can't live on the miracles of A.A. Allen, Jack Cole, R.W. Shambach. I can't live on what those men, did in, those men did in their generation. I appreciate it, and I thank God that I'm standing on their shoulders, but I'm hungry for something in my generation. I'm hungry for something more. And one of the dangers of this generation is that we think that we can just learn or educate our way or bow our way into something that's going to take the power of God to do. We need a fresh cry for his power. We need a generation that will rise and take its place in the earth and put a demand on the things of God and say, God, if you did it once, you can do it again. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Am I right about it? That means, that means if he did something in the past, he can do something in the now. Whatever he has done, he can still do. If he has saved anybody, he can still save somebody. If he has ever healed anybody, he can still heal somebody. If he ever changes what he's already done, then he's not the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But there has to be a generation that rises up and says, I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for more than what I'm seeing. And can I just tell you, I, I feel something because our church has been building. We're building to, to a, a, a climate that's going to literally, it's literally going to shape and reorder the trajectory of an entire region. I'm not making this stuff up. I've seen it in my spirit. We're pushing for something. That's why our worship is getting more intense. That's why the presence of God is getting heavier because we're not content just to come in and punch in our spiritual religious clock and then go back to a world that keeps eating our lunch. But there's a generation that's rising that says, I got to have a move of God in my day. I got to have a move of God in my family. Tell somebody, every generation has a time. He said, go in this your strength and deliver them. This implies that God will always have a people ready to break the existing strongholds. He said, go in this your strength and deliver the people. I believe there's enough people right here in this house right now. There's enough strength in this house to deliver an entire region. Gideon comes up with excuses like most of us will try to do. He said, how can I deliver Israel? My family is the least, and I'm the least. There's this sense of inadequacy on this generation to do what God's called us to do because they weren't trained properly. And because there's this sense of dysfunction, we use it as an excuse not to engage. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. He said, once I get better, then I'm going to engage. Once, once, once I get a little bit more spiritual, then I'll be a part of the church. We're called a, we call a, a, a church-wide prayer meeting. Other churches are going to be praying in our city. We're just going to go to four different locations, and we're just going to pray. But some, some, somebody will say, you know what, I don't feel like that ain't me. I'm not a prayer person. Yeah, everybody's called to pray. Everybody's called to pray. But here's the thing, we won't sacrifice the time or the energy or the effort because we got all this dysfunction going on. 
And we make ourselves out to be this one huge project, thinking that one day I'm going to get better. But let me tell you something. As long as you breathe in air, you're going to have issues. <laughs> you're going to be fighting something. So there has to come this understanding that the greater one lives on the inside of us. I'm not perfect, but he's working with me while I work with him. Amen. Let me give you these three things real quick because we're about to run out of time. How does a church movement or a church overthrow strongholds? Number one, through people who can get beyond their fear. God said to Gideon in chapter 7, he says, everybody who's fearful and afraid, tell them to go home. <laughs> can you all imagine me standing up here and saying that? Hey, listen, we're about to go into war. And uh, there's so many enemies against us, we can't even count them. The Bible says they were innumerable. They come from everywhere. And Gideon starts out with 32,000 men. And God says, I want you to tell the men, tell your 32,000, going against an army that's already way bigger than you, but you tell that army, whoever's fearful and afraid, to go home. Go on back to your corner. Go on back to your cave. Going back to your mindset, going back to your dysfunction, going back to your victimized mentality. Because you cannot advance the kingdom of God with people who are fearful and afraid. And, and the Bible says when Gideon announced that, 22,000 people went home. <laughs> now, I preached a lot of sermons and probably drove some people out, but I ain't never lost 22,000 people in one sentence. 22,000 people left in one sentence. And God was trying to say to Gideon, listen, I can do more with an organized few than I can with a disorganized mob. And God is trying to say to the house of God, he's trying to say to the church, if you're going to be fearful and afraid, you're never going to overthrow long-standing strongholds. You're going to have to get your faith out there. You're going to have to put your faith into the fight. You're going to have to believe me beyond the pandemic. You're going to have to believe me beyond the social unrest. You're going to have to believe me beyond an election year. You're going to have to put your faith into something that's greater than everything that you're forced and faced to look at because the greater one lives on the inside of you, and I don't need a bunch of fearful, whiny, sucking-your-thumb kind of people just go on back to your cave if you don't want to stand for nothing just go on back to your cave and live in defeat if you don't want to fight for nothing but sooner or later I'm going to whittle it down and I'm going to find some people who have more faith than they got fear they may fight scared but they're not going to be living with a spirit of fear I wish you push on somebody and tell them it's time it's time this is your time your time it's your time we can't wait on the masses to show up. We can't wait for everybody to get it right, to do what God's called us to do. I can't, we, we can't wait until the government gets fixed. We can't wait on the Democrats. We can't wait on the Republicans. God just needs an army. Ah, God just needs some people who understand the assignment of God in their life and go against the power of Midian. Fight 
like you've never been defeated. Fight like there's no way an enemy can overthrow you. If I had kids running around going wild, I'd speak back to the principalities and the powers and every demonic spirit say, you may have them today, but every generation has a time and they won't always live like this. They don't always going to carry on like this. Can't wait on things to get right. In the book of Acts, they overthrew entire cities without even switching kings. They overthrew entire governments. In fact, when in the book of Acts, when they gathered to pray, they didn't pray and they, they didn't say, Lord, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have boycotts, we're going to have marches, we're going to have protests, and we're going to have parades. No, when they gathered, they prayed. And the Bible says, and when they prayed, the place where they prayed was shaken. I'm telling you, there's a generation that's about to lift their voice. And when they begin to pray, everything around them is about to be shaken. Ah. They said, Lord, we're not asking you to remove kings and presidents and parliaments and governments. We're just saying, give us more boldness that we become a stronger witness in the earth. Oh, Lord. Can't do nothing with people who are fearful and afraid. You can't, you can't move a vision with people on reserve. I can't tell you how many times there's a difference between being scared and being fearful. I'm scared every time I hold this mic, but I'm not fearful. Fear is the result of a spirit. Scared is the result of what I'm doing in that circumstance. Number two, if we're going to move long-standing strongholds, it's going to, it comes through people who are not self-absorbed. Let me just read that portion of the scripture to you. Guys, maybe you got it. Kings chapter 7. I don't know if you have it. Kings chapter, Judges chapter 7. Let me, let me read it to you because it's going to make more sense if I read it. Because we were reading from chapter 6. Judges chapter 7, verse number 4. The Lord said to Gideon, I know, you, I know you're down to 10,000, but you still got too many. The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's a test. It's a test. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you. But everyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So he brought them down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate. Somebody shout separate. Separate, separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps. As well as everyone who drinks or kneels to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300. And all the rest of them kneeled to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with 300 who lap, and I will give Midianites into your hands. So let everybody else go home. Hmm. He said, take them to the water. 
The water represents the word. Ephesians 5 says we're sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water of the word. When it comes to moving in the battle and defeating long-standing enemies, watch the people around you how they handle the water. Watch them how they handle the word. The way they respond tells you about who they are. God said, watch how they drink and then separate them. The principle deals with the nature of a person. The person who is only interested in satisfying themselves can't be a part of this movement. Where's all my amens? Y'all would shout me down a while ago. Because these kinds of people are only interested in satisfying themselves. See, I can't fight with you if it's all about you. You can't build and battle with people who are just interested in their own agenda. Because while you have your face in the word, trying to get some help for everybody and trying to even satisfy your own life, but you got enough ability to understand that while I'm being refreshed, I can refresh others. In Gideon's picture here, God said to him, everybody who just kneels down on their knees like this and sticks their head into the water and drinks, don't use them. Because they got their head so buried in there, they can't see nothing else. He said, use the guys that kneel down, but they bring the water up to their face. Because while I'm being fresh, I'm watching out for you. While God's working on me, I'm going to be cheering for you. Can you imagine when all those guys knelt down, started to drink, kneel out? kneel down like that? Jico, that's my dog. And God said, no, that ain't your dogs. Your dogs are only 300. <laughs> now, my man Gideon started out with 32,000. Now he's down to 300 against an innumerable army. God don't need a whole bunch of folks. He just needs people that ain't all about them. And that's hard in America. That's hard in the American church because we are so independently driven that we think the world revolves around us. And if I can't get my blessing, I, I, I really hope you don't get your blessing. But God's looking for an army that says, hey, listen, I'm not going to be self-absorbed. I'm not going to be about me. I'm going to fight and war with you, and I'm going to make sure that while you're drinking, you're covered. I got eyes on your back. I'm going to make sure that when you stand and pray, I'm going to be your best cheerleader. When you stand and praise, I'm going to be your best cheerleader. When you're going through hell and high water, I'm not going to abandon you, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to cheer you on. You've got a friend with me. you got somebody that's going to stick with you because I care enough about you to make sure that not only do I get my victory, but everybody around me gets their victory too. Push on somebody and tell them every generation has a time. Oh, Lord. Let me, let me give you this last one, then we'll go home. Judges. I'm still in Judges. Did my whole Bible just shut or did I shut it? Okay. I'm losing my mind up here. Number three, through people who will exercise their power to receive instructions. This is a big one. This is a big one. Because I, I, we really don't have time to read all this because it would take us forever to get there. 
But I need to show you this one portion here, I think. Is this okay? Let me show you this one portion because I, Judges chapter 7, verse number 16. It says, and he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers in their hands. Somebody said he put the trumpets in their hands. And he put the empty pitchers in their hands with torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. And when I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you shall blow the trumpet too all around the camp and say for the Lord and for Gideon. He's trying to show you a picture of what unity looks like. You got it? Verse number 19. So Gideon and the 100 men who were with him on the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch when they were posted, the watch, they blew the trumpets and smashed the pitchers and they were in their hands. And when the three uh, companies blew their trumpets and they broke the pitchers, they who held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand for blowing and they cried for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. Verse number 21. This is important. We're about to go. Each stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran crying out as they fled. And when they blew the trumpets, the Lord set an ambush of one against another throughout the whole army. This is the army that's coming against them. And the, and the army fled. The Lord put an ambush against the army that was against them. He only had 300. You couldn't count their men. But God is going to use people who have the ability to receive instruction. Watch this now. Notice that Gideon put a trumpet into every man's hand. Here you go. I know this is going to go against your American mentality, but you don't get to blow your own trumpet. <laughs> you don't get to come out here on the battlefield and toot your own horn. Because the trumpet speaks about a message. 1 Corinthians 14.8 says, if the trumpet, if the message makes an uncertain sound, who can prepare for battle? Matthew 24.31 says, Christ will return at the sound of the last trumpet. It's the message. It's a message. The point is, you don't bring or blow your own message. Ah. I know this is working against the American mentality because I am who I am. I got what I did because of what, listen, I'm just telling you, when you come into an organization like the church, the ecclesia, I know it's going against your mind, but God uses strategies. God has a plan. God has a way of working against your enemy, and God is using a plan against the enemy, and you don't need to be walking up here and saying, well, I worship the Lord however I want to worship. They ain't going to make me raise my hands. They ain't going to make me sing. They ain't going to make me dance. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. I'm just telling you, it's the American mentality. So you sit there and worship, and you don't feel God enough just to acknowledge him and say, Lord, I am so honored that you would even show up in this room today. And when everybody is crying, tears are running down people's faces, you are sitting there like you don't even care that you're here. I'm telling you, you're a part of the disorganized mob, and God will not use you in this upcoming move of God. He's not going to use you. Gideon said, I'm going to close. Gideon said, I'm giving you a message. I'm putting a trumpet into your hands. And the trumpet goes only into the hands of those who can be in agreement. I'm not going to put it in the hand of rebellious people. I'm not going to put it in the hands of dividers. 
people that just want to divide everything. I'm putting a message in the hands of the people who had the ability to receive instruction. It's for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. Oh, oh Lord. Let, oh, let me just let me finish this right here. That means you can't come. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, but, 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 but believe it or not, the devil shows up in church every time the doors are open. You can't come and stay with your own agenda. Because we're not going to listen to your horn. <laughs> we're not here to listen to your message. Oh, Lord. You got that Gomer Powell anointing. You'll be blowing that trumpet right about the time we're about to get a strategy birth. And you're going to sound off and you're going to give us away. You're going to trip over and blow your horn prematurely. Get somebody killed. Wonder why the church in America is limping? Because everybody's blowing their own horn. There were three groups of 100 men, and the entire victory depended on everybody being where they were supposed to be. Can I just pick on you for a moment? I'm going to go old school and sound like an old preacher now. Come Sunday morning, you don't need to be out there fishing. Come Sunday morning, you don't need to be out there golfing. You don't need to be in the woods hunting. You don't need to be in the mall shopping with your mask on. Now I'm not, and I know we have seasonal people here, people that work all year long. I'm not talking about that one day that you finally get off and that's the time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you perpetually not being at your post. Never showing up when we need you. You know why? Because you're blowing your own horn. Because you got your own agenda. Y'all ain't going to love me today. I'm glad today ain't Pastor Appreciation Day. Look, th th this is brilliant. This is brilliant. This is, this is how God takes 300 men against an innumerable army. He says, this way I want you to do it. I want you to put a trumpet in one hand and a pitcher in the other hand. And, and inside that pitcher, I, I, want, I, I want you to, 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 to put this light inside that pitcher. And then I want you to surround the enemy. We've got 300 over here, over here. 100 over here, 100 over here, and 100 over there. And, 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 and Gideon said, now listen, don't nobody mess it up. Don't get out there and say, I got this. I know where we're going now. I know how to do it. You don't blow your trumpet until you hear my trumpet. And if y'all think this message is about me, you have lost me way long ago. I'm talking about the word of the Lord. I'm talking about what God wants to do in the kingdom of God in our nation. He says, now when I blow my trumpet, then you blow your trumpet. And then take that trumpet and smash that pitcher. And the light that's in that pitcher is going to begin to shine. Here's the principle. God uses broken vessels to shine his light through. So what I'm trying to say, you ain't got to be all that. 
You ain't got to be perfect. God's using broken people. God's using messed up people. God's using struggling people. But they understand how to get in rank, file, and order. They understand what authority is. They understand that when I hear the sound of that trumpet, then I'm going to blow my trumpet. And then at the word of the Lord, we're going to smash that picture. And we're going to let the light of Christ shine through us until the whole world begins to see that the army of God is alive and well. And watch what God does. He puts an ambush on your enemy. He lets your enemy take out your enemy. He lets your enemy fight against himself. They didn't even raise a sword. They didn't even swing a sword. They just let the light. They let the light that was in them shine through them. Come on, get up on your feet and give God praise one time. God don't need perfect people. He just needs available people. People who've been through something. People who've been through a pandemic. People who are trying to put your kids on virtual schooling. About to have a nervous breakdown. Then put all your weave out. Running. We've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And there are many crises in our world on multiple levels. But God ain't going to work with fearful, self-absorbed, non-following order kind of people. He ain't going to do it. He's looking for people that he can put a message into. And just say at my word, let that message shatter and let the light out. Come on, Pastor Porter, worship team, you guys come on. If the enemy can send you an overwhelming crisis and cause you to lose your sense of purpose, you're always going to be in a crisis. Crises are here to stay. You think you're going to live in a world... Without any crisis, you're living in a wrong world at the wrong time. There's been crisis ever since the dawn of man. The crisis are not going to go away. It's how we manage our life through it. That's going to make the difference. The devil can throw whatever he wants at me. But I'm not coming off the order of God. See, the good thing about being Gideon, raised in a dysfunctional family, you don't have to feel good to function. I don't have to feel good to be in faith. I don't need the worship team at my back door singing, Lord, I praise you. I'll praise him by myself. And until you can find God in those dark places and learn how to worship him in those solitude places, you have a superficial relationship with him. See, some of you, some of you, you should have had a nervous breakdown, but you didn't have time. You didn't have time to have a nervous breakdown because you had to get them kids ready. You had to get them off to school. You had to get up and go to work. Some of you should have been overdosed on drugs a long time ago in your crazy days. 
Some of you should have quit a long time ago. Come on, Esther. Come on, Gideon. Maybe it's just for such a time as this. Maybe everything in my dysfunctional world prepared me for this moment right here. Because I don't have to feel everything right in order to function with God. And I believe all over this room today, I just, I'm, I've preached a lot harder the last four, four weeks, I guess, because I was driving the narrative to a point to get to this moment right here. It's never about the time. I, don't, I know it's already after 12, and it's, but it's never about that. It's just, I believe we got so much going on in our world. If you're not careful, you will say you will stay so distracted that you will miss the very moment that God has you in right here right now to do something significant for him and then we blame all of our excuses well I'm not ready I don't feel spiritual you know I got all this function listen everybody 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 has dysfunction in your life. I'm telling everybody, look at your neighbor and say, you got some dysfunction going on. I know you do. There ain't nobody in here better than anybody else. I guarantee you, if we just pulled the lid, if we pulled the canvas back and looked inside your life, you got some crazy, jacked up stuff that's been going on in your life. What I'm trying to say, God ain't looking for perfect people. He's looking for broken people. People who learn how to surrender their life to him and say, God, if you can use anything, use me. God, if you can do anything, do it through me. God, I yield myself to the power of the cross. I yield myself to the things that you've called me to do. And God, I know I don't always have it together. And sometimes I cuss. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't do. But God, my heart is towards you. And I'm going to pursue you with everything I There has to be a cry. There has to be a cry. A generation has to cry out. Come on, take about 30 seconds and lift your voice. We're going to cry out something more, something better. Oh, show up in our midst, God. Render the heavens.
right here, take somebody by the hand all the way across the aisle if you can. Just take somebody by the hand and look at them say, with your crazy dysfunction self. Look at them say, with your crazy dysfunctional self, God's going to release the mightiest army that the world has ever seen. Now, now we're going we're gonna to sing this again. We're going to sing this again. I, I, you're holding that hand because it, it's a chain of power is what it is. It's a chain of power that's about to flow. It's about to flow from one vessel to another vessel because sometimes people don't feel like they got enough in them. They don't feel like they're worthy enough to do it. God didn't call the worthy. He didn't call the people who were already feeling like they had it together. He was calling people that knew how to be broken in the midst of the chaos. So what we're going to do, they're going to sing it. They're going to sing it, and while they're singing it, I want you to, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I want you to just swing that hand like we're about to do something. We're about to crack a vessel open. We're about to let our light shine because we won't. says, I'm going to take you, Gideon, and I'm just going to let you know I can deliver by few or by many. It makes no difference to me. We're going to close right here. I'm praying. But I feel like this army is about to be so stirred. that all we got to do is get into the building. We'll tell the worship team, we'll take it from here. You just hit that first note and we'll take it from here. 
I'm prophesying over this house. Y'all won't even let me preach because the power of God is going to be so strong that people are just going to say, we got enough of God going on right here, right now. It's going to be that strong. That's strong. I'm telling you, it almost happened today. It almost happened today. I'm telling you, that's why we're praying every Tuesday night. That's why we're going to pray on Saturday. It, 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 what, moves, what moves darkness is prayer. And this church has been diligently praying, forcefully, faithfully, against the powers of darkness. We were, I'm telling you, we were so close to such a realm of glory, we'd have never got the service back today if we hit it. But that's how close we're getting. That's how close we're getting. Because we're not going to stop until every power of Midian has been crushed under our feet. And the Lord of the harvest is about to release the harvest fields of the earth. And that ain't just about money. That's about souls being born into the kingdom of God. Souls that are being birthed into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, revival will be our revenge. What the devil has done to the world with a pandemic and all this craziness and civil unrest, I'm telling you, what the devil has tried to distract and put a mask over people so that we wouldn't declare things. But I'm telling you, the church is coming out of their caves. We're coming out of our closet, and we're about to get on the battlefield, and we're about to put some fight back into it. We're going to put some faith back into it, and we're coming out strong. We're coming out strong. We're coming out strong. We're coming out victorious. We're coming out. We're coming out. We're coming out. I prophesy you're coming out. You're coming out of your cave. You're coming out of your darkness. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. news channels, instead of letting that pollution infiltrate our spirit man, let's pray. Let's reach out to God. Let's cry out to God. Because Saturday, we all need to be gathered in one of the four areas, crying out to God for our city, our county, our region, our nation, our world. Because God is the God of this world. The enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's done plenty of that. But we are the powerful ones. We are the authority on this earth, and he's trespassed just a little too much. So instead of watching the news this week, turn your TV off and pray together as a family. If, 
get with friends, whomever. But start declaring the word of the Lord over our city, our region, our nation, and the world. Because as we cry out to God, he says, I hear my children. I hear their voices crying out to me. And when I hear them, I act on it. We need God to act. We need his power and authority. He needs our, us to be his power and authority on the earth, but we need him to come down and reign on this world like we've never seen him reign before. Amen. That's just a challenge for us today as the church. Amen. The, the reason why we're doing it this Saturday is because it's also the day that Franklin Graham is going to be on Washington, D.C., and they're doing a prayer march through Washington, D.C., and also the prophet Jonathan Kahn is going to be there. He's going to be there all week, really, doing prayer rallies, and really his is called the return because on Rosh Hashanah, when it hit over the weekend, it's literally a time of repentance and turning our face back to God, and so he's calling his the return. We're going to return back to God. If we want a nation to turn, the Christians better turn. So, so, so we didn't just arbitrarily throw something out there or pick something. It, we're getting in agreement with what the Spirit of God is doing in our world. That, that's why I'm telling you, I'm, I, I, I can't tell you what, I'm not trying to force anything on you, but you need to clear your calendar if you can and pray with us. In, in just a few moments, Pastor Carlos is going to dismiss us. Don't nobody leave until he dismissed. But then you need to go back there and you need to sign up. Find that location. We got one in uh, Hooker's Point. We got one out there uh, across from the DMV, that park out there near Harlem, so we can cover that whole area there. We got one over here at the Civic Park. And then we got one somewhere else. I don't forgot where I picked. Trinidad Park, right there, Trinidad Park. We got right there in the heart of that side of the city. So we got four different locations. Just show up, be there at 8 o'clock. We're going to start at 8 o'clock in agreement together. Strategy, strategy, strategy. We start at eight, and then we're just gonna pray. We're gonna pray. Everybody's gonna pray, and then you go home right there from eight to nine. No more said, no more done. But we're gonna be in agreement what God is doing across this nation. Don't say you want our nation to turn and you don't participate to be a part of it. Don't say it. Don't say it. If we want our nation to turn, then we got to get involved. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. We're not going to stop until we see it in Jesus' name.